Welcome on in to the podcast. It is a beautiful day in the start of spring of 2023. I couldn't be happier to be with you today. Whenever you're listening to the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening, thanks for choosing us and spending your time. We're going to be discussing that first weekend of March Madness, really, especially on that TV side. I know we haven't gotten through the rest of the women's tournament. There's still some of that action as I'm recording this on Monday. The women's tournament's still going tonight. But we're going to discuss really how this television production has been. If it's been better, worse, the same, indifferent, I don't know. But I think it's been it's been good. On the I've watched some of the women's tournament, but not very much, but a lot of the men's tournament. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. The men's tournament, CBS, TBS, TNT, True TV, it's been as expected. Pretty much the same we've seen the last couple years in the production quality. The main difference, though, has been Greg Gumbel has been on for more hours from this first weekend. In the past couple of years, we've seen, with the exception of 2021, so last year and then really 2019 and before that, it would be Greg Gumbel and Ernie Johnson. They'd be splitting that time in the New York studio. But this year, they're going a little bit more like what it was in 2021. Where Greg Gumbel, his, he's in New York. He's the anchor man. Um, a few times they've gone to Adam Zucker in New York as the studio guy to give Greg Gumbel um, a better night's sleep and credit them. Uh, that's what we expected to see, and that's what we saw. Lefko, he's kind of been... I don't know. I haven't didn't see really Lefko the last couple of days. Maybe he was just gonna, just doing um, Tuesday through Thursday, or Tuesday through Friday, I should say. I didn't see him on the weekend broadcast, but uh, Lefko was all right. He was better than what they had in that studio seat before on those first four nights. First four studio team has been rough before, but the addition of uh, of Lefko, Ernie Johnson, and then certainly Jay Wright. He's been good on that studio team um, in Atlanta, Georgia, and I think he was the an addition that people had questions about. People don't really didn't know how he was going to be and he's lived up to the expectations and and exceeded them uh, to an extent. Now I do think that there's some work to be done on some of these broadcasts. I did not like Spiroditas and Debbie Antonelli. Usually I like Spiro but through the first weekend it's been kind of a rough listening to him. He gets almost too excited and as someone who was, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying, but Dita's, you need to just hold back a little bit on uh, this, the game. Take a take one step back to take two steps forward. I don't know. That's just how I I felt about it. Nothing, nothing too big. Nothing. I mean, they're all good. That's the thing is. I, there, there's a lot of these broadcast teams that are good and great. So it's really hard to pick them apart and rank them um, because they're all they're all elite. 
didn't I did not like some of the moments that I heard from Spiro. Spiro was part of the reason why I stopped watching the game. And I think he's he's good. I mean but when you listen to him for the sixth game in three days, then it you know it gets a little old. You hear Splash! I mean that's great. I I love it. But when I don't know. Not a lot to say about those broadcast teams. They're all solid. There's not too many other people you'd want in those seats on the play-by-play. Certainly you'd love to see uh, a Jason Benetti or someone there. He'd be great in the college basketball scene. Gus Johnson, of course, uh, in one of those seats. But, I mean, they put together good, good talent, good production. Uh, I did watch some of the women's games. Um, I didn't know that their studio show, their, the women's equivalent to Capital One Tournament Central, is just called In the Studio. I don't. I, I felt that was a weird name. I didn't know that that's what they called it. I'm just going to be honest. That's seems like a weird, weird name. Just In the Studio. It's a, I mean, it's... It's it's been fine, but uh, I just didn't know that. I didn't know that they that's what they called it on ESPN ABC uh, in the studio with uh, L. Duncan as the host, and Rebecca Lova has been there now, but she's going to be on the broadcast. Uh, I thought I don't know. I thought Dave O'Brien he is deserving of the second weekend in the women's tournament. He was really good in Iowa City. He was good when I was played Indiana. I don't know why he's only calling one weekend. I don't. I would have him call call the second weekend as well, but not my decision. Probably um, that was probably based on them wanting to get more uh, women in the play by play role and just limit uh, the male, the only male play by play. Moving on, being Ryan Rucco, which didn't call games this weekend, which I feel that's a little odd as well is that they don't have their lead play-by-play calling games this weekend. Which maybe he's doing NBA, maybe he's doing something else. I don't know. But it just feels a little weird that... I mean, the men's side we always criticize uh, Jim Nance that he hasn't called college basketball a year. Now, Ryan Rucco is different. He's called NBA, he's called other basketball. But he hasn't really called this the women's game during the regular season as some of these other veteran broadcasters have. So, obviously, I think he's the lead on the WNBA. Third or fourth on uh, the NBA. So, I mean, he does a lot of basketball. That's different. It's different than Jim Nance doing basically golf and football the rest of the year. And then sliding in to the number one seat, which this is last year. He'll stick with Houston. Uh, and uh, he'll be in Kansas City sticking with Houston Cougars uh, for the second round his alma mater so he'll be with the Cougars the rest of the tournament uh, all the way into Houston for the Final Four and the National Championship which will come in a couple week, a week or so on CBS now I was really surprised to see 
I don't know. It wasn't me really that was surprised. It was someone else that was surprised on uh, the 506 Sports Discord server. They were surprised that Ein Eagle, he's going to be in Louisville, Kentucky. He said he should, uh, I don't know who this person's name is, but they said, why is he not in Las Vegas? I think the reason for that, CBS prioritizes the Sunday Elite Eight games. Don't, don't get me wrong. They love love those Thursday, Friday, Sweet 16 games. But um, the Sunday Elite Eight windows, that's where CBS um, ends their season in the years that they don't have the Final Four. That's the apex of the season outside of the Final Four. You want your best best talent on those afternoon games on the Sunday broadcast. Now, TBS is going to have great games on Saturday with the West Regional. Kevin Harlan going there to the West Regional on CBS for the Sweet 16 and then TBS for the Elite Eight. I don't have any problem with whatever they do because you're going to get the, the broadcast is going to do three games. People are going to watch the three games and we're going to move to the Final Four. I don't have any problem with them doing anything with these these guys. If they would have put Brian Anderson on the number one team, if they would have put whatever, I'll watch probably all, what is it, 11 games? That doesn't make sense. I think it's 12, 12 games. Three each team times four is 12. Come on, Jared. Count better. I'll watch all 12 games. I'll keep on watching. Now, I still don't know why. I don't... I'm sorry if there was a a good, valid reason for why the women's tournament is going down to two sites for the regionals, but it just... I I I don't think it makes sense. I don't know why that's what they did. I know, obviously, it makes it so ESPN can be more cost effective. They're only having to make um, a high level broadcast in two locations rather than three or I mean four so you can combine some of this talent to create these high level productions that are equivalent to the national championship and final four. But I don't know for the fairness of the fans, for the in-person experience and for the teams traveling, this creates a nightmare, especially because these sites are on the polar opposite parts of the country, and they're on the coast, on in coastal, uh, basically coastal cities. I know South Carolina, that site's not on the coast, but South Carolina is almost as southeast of the United States as you can go. Not quite. I mean, you can go Georgia, you can go Florida, but it's a long way from Seattle as being the other regional, so... A team like Iowa, a team like Ohio State, or a team uh, like, I don't know, Texas. Texas is not that that terrible for South Carolina, but you get the point. UConn especially, They're, they have they have to travel uh, all the way to Seattle. Even if they were in South Carolina, it's still a lot of, a lot of travel for them. But I'm namely talking about Iowa here because... Uh, there is no geographical advantage, no matter what. They're going to be at a disadvantage geographically. That could be the closest to Seattle I, when it's all said and done. If it's if it's Duke and Louisville and Iowa, 
in Ole Miss. I guess I was the closest to that. But uh, why are we? Why is there no Midwest site? Why is there nothing in Chicago? Why is there nothing in in Louisville or um, a South site like Texas? I know that's where the Final Four is, and they're kind of saying, "Oh, the Final Four is in the middle of the country. Let's bring the other two sites to the the coast." But I know they've been pushing for this equality between the men's and women's tournament, but why are we reducing the number of sites instead of increasing? You wouldn't want to increase it past four. Four is plenty, um, and it's, it seems to work. I don't know. But it just seemed strange that they did that, and I found out about that like a couple weeks before the tournament began on the women's side because I don't follow the women's basketball as closely as some people do, and those people deserve a lot of a lot of praise because really no one follows college basketball. No one watches every game in the regular season. That's pretty much impossible to do, let alone watch both every men's, women's, um, and every division of uh, down at D three and something. Uh, but the postseason a lot more. Um, compact and and a lot more exciting as well it's it's single elimination once you get to the NCAA tournament so obviously it's easier to easier to watch given that these teams are going to tr- be playing their hardest and you're not going to see any off nights now that you do lose the home court advantage which is something that they could be adding to college football uh, with home home field advantage for a potential first round we'll see if that happens or we'll see if there's any alternative that happens to that but obviously college sports has been taken to this next level we've seen this with the ratings there are all-time highs for viewership obviously not the ratings um, because we're including out of home we're including a lot of streaming data that we didn't include previously so it's not apples to apples comparison but again these are massive audiences that are watching college basketball uh in 2023 so again this comes back to the nil conversation that people are having and should college athletes be making uh the money that they're making off of playing the sports i mean uh the nil has kind of been open country there's been little to stop a player from making a lot of money uh, not really much regulation and they just let the floodgates open and we're getting to some of these scandals where um, people are getting in trouble but not really used to be if you paid a player you were done so now it's oh well I mean you kind of violated this rule but in this rule but you know, we got NIL now, and it's going to have to... We're going to figure it out later. So, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting rest of the tournament. Uh, we'll have Jim Nance. He'll be on Friday and Sunday. CBS Sports, all three of his games. He'll be on CBS the rest of the way. So, that window on TBS, that was his last broadcast for Turner Sports which is now called Warner Brothers Discovery Sports, I realize now that I said the wrong thing. Um, 
but yeah, he won't be on Turner Networks anymore, Jim Nance. Uh, this is his final season. Um, any other things that I found in that Discord server, they're just they're getting on me about that. And uh, let's look at where the women's tournament games probably end up. We have, what is it? They just, they number them now. It's, what is it, Greenville 1, Greenville 2? I don't know, guys. South Carolina, they're going to basically play Saturday um, in the late in the second game on ESPN. UConn will probably be on ABC for their Sweet 16 matchup um, against either Ohio State or North Carolina. That game's pretty much going to happen as I'm ending this podcast uh, recording here. And then we'll see Iowa Friday night, the other regional, which I believe has Virginia Tech as the one seed. That'll be played Friday during the day um, on ESPN. And then that ESPN2 window will probably feature, I think, Tennessee. I'm not 100% on that one, but I think it's Tennessee that will be featured um, in that late window on ESPN2 on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday on ESPN. Not too much of a difference whether they're playing at 7 Eastern or 9 Eastern, but um, I assume UConn will get the late slot. Um, unless South Carolina gets the late slot, but we'll see. Anyway, it's going to be a fun ride to the finish, but I think Iowa uh, Friday night for the women's tournament going to be a fun one there. Um, men's tournament will get going Saturday night for the Elite Eight and Sunday on CBS. Saturday on TBS, Sunday on TBS. Or Sunday on CBS. Come on, can I talk today, please? But again, Final Four a week from Saturday on CBS and the National Championship two days later on CBS as well. Uh, but again, a great tournament. Love March Madness. Love that they added the multi-view function to YouTube TV. Um, one of the lone bright spots that YouTube TV is having in 2023 is that they added that really in its beta feature. Such It was so highly requested uh, once it was announced that it was in beta that everyone get it, that they did release to everyone, which I think that's a good PR move, especially in a time when you're increasing the price for everybody. Uh, on ES, on YouTube TV, I think that that was a good thing to do is to release multi-view to the public. I don't, I know there's there's a lot of people that want them to be able to be customized. Quite frankly, that's a lot of clunkiness on the screen. I do like the the computer-generated ones, but yeah, I mean, I want I'd like it to be customized certainly so I can watch uh, multiple sports at once and it's still going to be difficult I mean because a lot of sports are now streaming on Apple TV with MLS, MLB as well and uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens but yeah I mean not everything's on YouTube TV to begin with and multi, but I mean every football game 
pretty much every Sunday football game is going to be available on YouTube TV in the fall. Uh, if you've got, as long as they have the local stations, because they'll have the Sunday ticket, and we'll see how that all rolls out. And hopefully, they offer some a price that's that's reasonable and fair, and doesn't cost so much that it's gonna break your bank. We'll have to wait and see, but I do expect a higher price for Sunday ticket than a lot of people are going to want. It's gonna going to frustrate a lot of people when they see the price tag for the first time um but again and it is what it is it's a business there's contracts that have to be followed and a lot of these streaming services streaming platforms they're not profitable and they have to do something to reach profitability and a lot of that has to do with increasing the price um but this cable bundle it's not sustainable in the amount of price increases that have happened uh lately and uh we'll see if they continue to increase the price or it stays around the same price or but uh i don't see the price dropping i don't see that happening the cable networks are making way they're making plenty of money right now can they please keep their price the same because i mean uh, within what was it like four or five years youtube tv's doubled its price pretty much uh so uh that'll do it for our podcast here today you've been listening to jj sports podcast see you next time